Hello and welcome to Extreme Perspectives. This is a monthly podcast created by The Sense Network to bring you conversations with people who see things differently and think differently. This podcast is for people who want to expand their mind and develop their creative intelligence. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. For 20 years, I've been seeking out people from the edges of culture, the creators, outliers, misfits, rebels, and the crazy ones people who want to change things and push the human race forward. Today, we're speaking with the outlier, serial entrepreneur and advocate for the benefits of age, Suzanne Noble. Stay tuned as we discuss the bawdy blues, the valuable role that older people can play in organizations and how hot tubs help the ideation process. Hello, Suzanne. Hello, Jeremy. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Where are you today? Tell me where you are, Suzanne. Today, I am sitting in an apartment in a place called La Paterna in Las Palmas in Gran Canaria. And is it nice and warm there? It's not, actually. (laughs) I mean, I'm wearing shorts, which makes it sound like it's warm, but I'm freezing. So I don't think I'm going to be wearing shorts for long. It's not uncomfortable. It's just not hot. It's very damp and cold in London today, so I'm quite envious. Different change of location. But thank you so much for joining me today for Extreme Perspectives podcast. And before we have any more chat, there's only one way to start these conversations, and that is with my opening question. So, Suzanne, would you describe yourself as an outlier, a misfit, a rebel, or a crazy one? That's a good and hard question. Could I be a combination of all of them? You certainly can. Feel free to answer (laughs) it however you wish. I would expect nothing less from you. Yeah, I I don't really like to label myself as anything, so I'll pick a combination of them. I think some people have called me a crazy one, but my mother would say that that's not really true. (laughs) And that that actually I'm quite sensible, really. But I suppose my perspective has been for a while now that I feel as if I'm I can see into the future, not because I'm a clairvoyant, but because there's evidence that shows me that certain things are progressing. And in my case, it's working around things to do with age and the aging population. And so I have moved my life in that direction because I see that there's multiple problems that need to be solved. And I don't think that they're not evident, (laughs) but, but it seems as if I, I found them to be quite disturbing prior to other people seeing that they're quite disturbing. Although I think now people are catching up with me. So I don't know what that makes me. Maybe an outlier? I don't know. What's your creative journey been like, Suzanne? I mean, share a little bit of the the sort of the journey that you've been on. You have done many, many different things. Maybe you could just share a few highlights of what you've been up to. I always laugh when people do that because I look look at the time. I'm just like, oh, how long do we have (laughs) now? The great news about doing it on a podcast, you can if anyone ever asks you that question again, you can go, just go and listen to this. There's, there's... 
I started off in my late 20s with a bunch of my friends. Actually, probably all my businesses have, or many of them have started in very similar ways, which is a bunch of girlfriends sitting together going, what, what, what's going on with this? Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? And then, you know, we go off and do it. And that was certainly the case with my first business, which was a friend of mine who had recently gotten involved with astrology was really, really enthusiastic about it, was dragging us along with her enthusiasm. And we ended up, because at that time I was working in video production, we ended up pitching an idea to Channel 4, which was for a TV series about astrology that took two years, but eventually got commissioned. So I left my my day job and became a TV producer and produced a series on astrology. And that really set me off on my sort of self-employment or business, small business journey. After that, the program was quite successful, but wasn't recommissioned due to varying factors that I won't bore you with. And But I became temporarily for the next year a ghostwriter to an astrologer writing columns for national newspapers about astrology with the presenter who was a great astrologer but wasn't very confident about her writing so so we did that together which was really fun <laughs> and I learned a lot about astrology and then I got pregnant and I my ex-husband was working for a very well-known PR agency called Lynn Frank's PR which was you know the series Ab Fab was based on and he was made redundant and he set up on his own. And a year later, I joined him. And over the next 10 years, we created an award-winning home entertainment PR business that had clients like Warner Brothers and Sony, BMG and Universal. And we're at the very beginning of the of computer gaming and the internet and, you know, built up this agency and, and that was doing really well. And alongside that, I created a baby sling business when I couldn't find a baby sling for my second son that I like to use. And I sold that to one of my clients. And then when I could see what was happening with the entertainment industry, which was that piracy was coming in and really impacting on the budgets, our marketing budgets, you know, they, they were taking a, a real nosedive. And I said to my by now ex-husband, this business is not sustainable in this way. So either we've got it got to pivot to another industry, which is more buoyant, or I suggest that we just split the company up and we all just take our clients with us. And by that point, we'd had staff for a very long period of time. And so that's what we did. And I went off and became the global PR and marketing director for a children's TV show called Lazy Town. And he became a music PR person. And one of my staff took some of the Warner Brothers work and off we went. And that was that. And then, so I did that job with Lazy Town for six years, which was really fun, crazy and fun. And that's a book in itself, I think, because it was so <laughs> mental. It was really the most mental job. And then I decided after my kids had left home to transition my career into tech, I'd always really liked messing around on the internet. I did a bit of like, you know, early stuff around HTML and coding. And we built our PR website in 1995, which was very early days for all of that. And so I created an app for Londoners on a budget called Frugal. And I used all my PR skills to generate press for that. And we had tens of thousands of downloads. And it did really well. And we got some angel investment, but not enough. And I really st 
struggle to see how we were going to make money with it, as did our investors. And so we pivoted that to a daily deal site for different deals from Groupon and Welch and things, which is still exists as that. And actually, currently, we're going through a rebuild. So it's still alive and it's actually making money. So it's, um, yeah, you never know what's going to happen with that. And then to get to where we are now, basically, I've probably forgotten a few things, but to get to where we are now, I had a conversation with some girlfriends again. By this point, I was 50 years old. I was really struggling in the tech world to be recognized and taken seriously. You know, it was full of young white boys and that were surprised when their mom or a woman that looked like their mom walked into the room. You know, we were reflecting on the way the media was reporting on older people and just saying, you know, it doesn't doesn't really feel like our lives. I don't know who these people are that they're talking about, but it doesn't feel like our lives. And we should set up something called Advantages of Age. And that was Christmas 2015. And in 2016, everybody came back from Christmas. And I said, right, I built that website called Advantages of Age. And now we need some content. And everyone looked at me like I was nuts. But Rose Rouse, who was a former journalist and doing some comms work said, oh, I'll, I'd like to work on that with you. I'll go and commission some uh, some articles from friends of ours that were writers and journalists and Advantages of Age was born. And then we got some Arts Council funding and we did some activities around death, which is probably when I met you. Because at that point we were making a film called The Death Dinner with a bunch of people that worked in the industry talking about, you know, end of life in various aspects. And then we set up this Facebook group or I set up this Facebook group and that just grew and grew and grew and was really active and engaging. And then it was through that that I really started seeing the numerous disadvantages of ages of aging or where, you know, where people were really finding it challenging, whether it be through finding affordable accommodation, which led me to set up a home sharing site called Nestful, which I run and and has had some equity investment or around startup school because people were losing their jobs and, you know, people wanted us to set up a dating site. I mean, it just, there was no end of stuff. I just, I almost have to stop myself from going, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Let somebody else do that. But yeah, out of that community has just sprung up lots of friendships and activities and businesses and it's been pretty amazing really i think that is remarkable what you were saying there you 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 start with the community you engage in the conversations you listen hard and the ideas just begin to emerge and it strikes me there's a number of things in there that you mentioned the home sharing and obviously startup school that's emerged from these conversations it doesn't seem like the obvious place to start does it just by getting a bunch of people together well whether it's a bunch of girlfriends or whether it's a wider group that you called advantages of age i just think that's a really a really great insight to share around working with communities I do recall one of our first conversations because I think this is your community and your network, it, uh, advantages of age. And I think one of the first conversations we had was around death and funerals and how people were designing their funerals <laughs> and having a different view on what death meant. 
I, I well, I, I know you've always had a fresh perspective, but one of the reasons that we wanted to get together and have a chat today was because you have been a member of the Sense Network for quite a while. You've been to some of our suppers, our Sense Suppers, and one of the promises of a Sense Supper is to meet people from worlds unlike your own. But you did meet someone at one of our suppers and something very interesting happened. Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Although, if I'm really honest, when we met at the Sense Supper, I didn't completely recall Mark, my colleague who I now work with on Startup School for Seniors. He remembers meeting me and I and I vaguely remember meeting him. And then subsequent to that, he got in touch with me because he was curious to learn about the work that I've been doing to support older people into starting a business or self-employment. And he was thinking about working in that area himself. And rather than just dive into it without really understanding much about the problem, he asked me if I could meet up with him for a coffee and just have a chat with him about what I'd been doing. And I said, yeah, sure. Because frankly, at that point, I delivered a pilot with someone else that was called the Advantages of Age Business Academy. And it had gone pretty well, but I'd learned a bunch of things. And again, this was sort of back in, originally we started back in 2017. So I don't remember when I met Mark, but it must've been like 2018, something like that. It wasn't that long afterwards. And it had been really difficult at that point to arouse any interest from the sorts of people that we needed to fund us to pay for the course because we discovered that people of that age group didn't really want to pay for it themselves. Maybe they were risk averse. There were a bunch of other factors that we discovered that meant it was going to be hard to sell to them directly. So at that point, I was more than willing to have a brain dump with Mark because I I just thought, I don't know if this is actually going to go anywhere and I'm just going to tell you why, like what I learned. And so Mark's really big on um, lean business canvases, amongst other things. He's a big expert in that, which is this sort of one page business plan where you stick post-it notes down in lots of different areas related to business. He sort of plopped all these post-it notes down based on what I was telling him. We ended up with loads and loads of post-it notes. And he was a bit, I recall him being a bit like, oh, well, you just smash that idea out of the, you know, that one's not going to work. Because I was like, no, nah, that's not going to work. And then, then we didn't really have much conversation after that. He went away to have a think. And I thought, oh, that was quite interesting. And then during the pandemic, something quite spectacular happened, which is that my ambition, which was always to move this course online because I could see multiple reasons why it didn't work offline due to the over 50s group that we were targeting. The funders suddenly said to us, why don't, you know, if anybody needs money to convert to digital delivery because of the pandemic, let us know because we've got a pot of cash. And I thought, wow, that's what I've been waiting for for about three years now. And so I applied for that and was successful in getting the money to to move the, the, the program onto, digital, onto a digital platform that we created. And that's when I rang Mark back up and said, you know, do you want to do this with me? And he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> Excellent. So 
with the course itself, uh, what do people actually get out of that? Well, I mean, the course was designed to help move people from an idea into a business. What we discovered was there was a lot of people over 50 losing their jobs, being made redundant, or just considering a change of career. And they might have had an idea sitting on the shelf for a while, but they really struggled to know how to move it into a business. And so that's where Startup School for Seniors came along. What we discovered is that some people came on the course not having any idea of any business at all. Some people had multiple ideas. And for many people, it was really about rebuilding their confidence and giving them the skills and the training and the support of others who look like them to be able to take those first steps towards being self-employed. Amazing. And what are the steps that you go through? What are the different sorts of things i mean and how how long does it last and and are there different modules and how does how do they all link together so mark and i made 25 hours of pre-recorded video which really was quite intense back last year which formed the bulk of the content so they're conversations that mark and i have with each other about our respective business journeys or just what we know about business We have conversations with people over 50 that are business owners about their own business, how they started, what their challenges have been, um, what they've really enjoyed about it, and some background on their business. And then we have a weekly Zoom call that takes place, which is an opportunity for people to practice what they've learned that week. And we have a Facebook, a private Facebook group that supports people with ongoing resources. It takes place typically over eight weeks, although recently we piloted a two-week program, which was actually really successful, really hard in terms of people really having to turn up and show up every day and, and do the work over a much more intense period of time. But actually, we found that for a certain type of person, that really works. One of the main things that we teach them is, and and one of the biggest and most important things that you need to know is really and you know this better than anyone, is who and how do you identify your first clients? You know, who who are, is your typical customer and where do they hang out? What, How are you going to find them? How much are they willing to pay? How are you going to deliver superior service to them? What's your unique selling proposition? So a lot of stuff that's covered in other types of courses, but... We do it in a way that's very hands-on, and I suspect that for a lot of people who have come from corporate careers and have been used to delegating to others, this is the first time that they've really had to look at the whole business rather than just the single segment of it that they may have been working in. So that can be quite challenging for them. And equally, it can be challenging for them when, you know, they they come to the course feeling quite low, many of them, because they, you know, often they've lost their job or, you know, they've been made redundant and it could be a career that they've had for, you know, decades. And so they really come feeling pretty lousy about themselves and often feeling that their lived experience and their work experience doesn't really count for much. And we show them that that's not true, you know, and they see how 
the experience that they have and what they've done in the past has value. And that's reflected back at them through the other participants, through the other learners who go, wow, you know, I really could use that in what I'm doing. Can you, can you come and help me? So that differs from when a younger person may start a business and really they don't really know very much and they don't, haven't got any real lived or work experience and but they've got bags of enthusiasm and they've got bags of energy and what what we find is that typically our learners want to move a bit slower they're more considered they may be more risk averse and typically they want to you know they really want to think about it before they dive in there's a there's a bit of fear around that as well that is amazing. And you said you got the funding. When did you kick this off? Yeah, so our first online one with me and Mark went live in September of last year. And we've recently delivered our two-week one, which was an experiment. And now we've got a new one starting in January. So I think we're on our fifth cohort now. And how many people do you have on each cohort? How many people go on this journey with you? So the last one was about 30, the short one. Typically, we we start out with about 60, and then we may settle at, at somewhere around 45. It really depends. Because we can track people on this platform so closely, we find that there's a bunch of people that we might not see in the live session, but who just run through the course on their own time at their own pace we can see what they're doing through the number of videos that they open and what they watch and what they engage with so we can view their progress and we can step in if we see that they may not be following along or they may have stopped typically that's mostly because again at an older age life can get in the way they might have an older parent who has health issues they might have health issues themselves. So yeah, typically it, it's around anywhere from like 35 to 45 around that. And what does the future hold for this? What's the next step for you? You said you've been experimenting with the the sort of the two-week express course or the, the faster version as opposed to the slower paced version. But where, where what's on what's on your roadmap? What's coming next? Well, I still spend a huge amount of my time. In fact, the bulk of today has just been spent writing grant applications. So so we're just finally reaching the point where as a as an organization we can see that our next year is looking financially pretty secure so that's that's good and we've we're delivering our first cohort which is actually location specific outside london we've done them we've done location specific cohorts within london but this is our first one which is for dorset which starts in january so that's exciting we're in discussions with other countries and uh people in other countries who potentially want to take it there we've we're having early discussions with some bigger organizations who want to work with us. So there's lots of stuff going on and we're pretty open to, yeah, where that leads us. I mean, at the moment, it's still Mark and myself and we've just recently hired an administrator. So, you know, we're a super small team. So there's not, we have to be conscientious as to what we can actually take on without having mental health issues. <laughs> that's... that's... 
That's a very good point, but I was going to say small is beautiful. Small is beautiful. And there's so many amazing technologies that you can use. As I've learned myself, businesses that were created 20 years ago, you wouldn't create businesses like them today. What you needed then, you do not need now. And uh, everything is very different. So that, I think, is uh, one big thing and one big advantage. One of the questions I always like to ask as well where you are at in your current journey with startup school for seniors is there anything that the sense network could do to help you give you feedback on anything help you solving problems is there is there anything that comes to mind that we can help with i know you're quite active on the sense network anyway but i always like to ask the question yeah, I suspect it's always really useful to get an outsider's perspective on our platform and where there's room for improvement because we're still making changes to that and it's still very much iterating as we go. Um, it would be really interesting to explore where the quick wins might be in terms of other opportunities. So... At the moment, we're looking at, for instance, how we can support people going forward. And I'm doing some customer research around that and what people would value and want going forward to help them to continue to develop their business. Because, you know, as we all know, one of the big challenges when you're running a course, especially a course where people become quite close very quickly, is that they get there's an adrenaline around that, right? It's the same with any kind of incubator or accelerator type program. There's a buzz that you get from doing all this work really quickly, but then when it ends, you can have this kind of dip in energy and confidence because you've no longer got the collective behind you. So one of the things, you know, we're we're considering is how we can maintain that collective feel. What does that look like? And I suspect the Sense Network might have some ideas around that from, I know, you know, the community building project that I'm doing with you. I think it's, I think community building is just really interesting in itself and yeah, what it takes to keep a community going. Well, it sounds like we might need to uh, set up a group for you on the Sense Network, if people want to test ideas and get feedback on ideas, and that might be people developing ideas as a part of the startup school, we could we could certainly put that in there as a part of it. Just on just on the community, have you been? You know, what sort of feedback have you been getting from the startup school for seniors? I mean, do people? You know, do they they share sort of any of the results or what they what they actually get out of it? Have you got any sort of testimonials or anything? The emails that we get from people that are completely unprompted are tear jerking, honestly. I mean, I had one last week that just before I came out here, I had some friends over and this woman who'd had a 30 year corporate career in banking at a very senior level and, and was, I, I guess she was let go, um, wrote us a poem about what her experience had been on startup school and how had she been offered the opportunity to attend something like startup school, she wouldn't have felt that her, you know, decades long career was a complete waste. And it really was, it really made me cry to the, <laughs> to the point where when my friends came in, I was still bawling my eyes out. <laughs> 
And then, um, yeah, and I just got one literally just before I came on saying how amazing this other woman found the course. He's launching a range of homemade Chinese sauces based on her grandmother's recipes. Um, and we've had, we've had, I mean, we've just, we've had so many testimonials that it's, it's, um, it's almost embarrassing really. But yeah, I mean, I suspect part of the reason is because neither Mark or myself are academics and we've approached this very much from the perspective of this is our age group. This is a group we know about. We both lost pretty much all our work at the start of the pandemic. So we have direct experience of the problem that we are aiming to solve. And we care deeply about the people that we support. I mean, we want them all to succeed, you know, and if they, if we see that they're falling behind or anything, we contact them and we're like, what's going on, you know? And yeah, we have people writing to us to say, look, you know, I wanted to complete it, but a bunch of stuff's happening in my life where I got COVID, but, you know, we let them have access to the material for a year afterwards. So even if they don't complete it during the eight weeks, they can still access it. So yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, it really is, it's really startling to me, <laughs> the whole thing, because I was not an academic person. I never really considered myself much of a teacher. And I'm really, really enjoying this form of teaching and this style of teaching and this online delivery mechanism because it's working. It's just working. Well, there is no theory without practice. So that's the thing. You're getting your hands dirty and that's where the learning will come from. Uh, I wanted to ask the question about, I mean, a lot of this you feel is, oh, I th I might think that when you talk about over 50s, what are some of the big issues that you're encountering there or the things that may not be spoken about as uh, regularly or, or you know, not necessarily grabbing the headlines? What are the things that, that you're seeing about the over 50s that, that need to be communicated maybe more loudly? The big topics in the group that always get the most comments and the most discussion happening is around many people's inability to ever be able to retire. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, our group is mainly women. So it's not surprising that for a lot of older women, they just don't have pensions that are going to give them the opportunity to ever really stop working or to figure out how to generate an income in one way or another. I mean, part of the reason I started Nestful, my home sharing business, is because I saw that for a lot of women, renting rooms was one of the primary ways that they could generate an income, a recurring income, you know, some recurring revenue that was passive that meant they could go off and do things that, you know, they wanted to do. And for, for many older women, I'm seeing that their age gives them the opportunity to really take charge of their lives in a way that they perhaps weren't able to do because they were looking after kids or, you know, they were in full-time employment doing something that maybe they didn't enjoy. So, you know, more and more of them are, um, are looking at creative pursuits, at traveling, at just, you know, just doing more stuff that's fun. And I find there's a real difference between the attitudes of older women and the attitudes of older men 
many of whom are really struggling silently with the whole idea of aging. So, you know, topics again that don't get spoken about, but I see anecdotally are just male virility, like men just not feeling their potency in the same way that they were when they were younger and how that's impacted on how they feel about themselves, their relationships with people. Um, I see there's a lot of loneliness, especially amongst older men. They just haven't spent enough time like women cultivating friendships. So whereas women when things aren't going so well, will, you know, engage with communities like Advantages of Age and really share in a way that's very deep. The men just won't, or they are reluctant to do that. Let's just say that. I mean, the other day I posted about how much I was enjoying living on my own, which I haven't done for a considerable amount of time because I have a lodger and I, I've had Airbnb gas and my partner was living with me for a time during the pandemic. So this has really been my first opportunity to be completely on my own, albeit for just three months, for a considerable period of time. And I'm just you know, okay, it's early days, but I'm just absolutely loving it. I'm loving the freedom that it gives me to do, you know, have breakfast when I want, do what I want, go out when I want, do all of that stuff. And one man in the group said, you know, I hate it. I'm just not, I don't want to live on my own. I want to be with somebody. I really am tired of living on my own and I'm not, you know, I don't get any enjoyment from it. Whereas we've got lots of women who just can't, you know, they just rave about it. They just, they, they can't say enough about how much they like being on their own. And I think, you know, probably that's because we've spent a considerable amount of time being caregivers. So yeah, things around retirement, dating is a constant. That's always, that always gets people going is the challenge that older people find uh, finding a partner, the current services that exist to help people over 50 find dates and how crap they generally are. And yeah, so just meeting, meeting somebody is hard. I have to ask what's, what's, how, how are the, how are the current services out there failing people? I just wanted to zoom in to that. What's, what's not working? What's the, what's the problem to be solved there? Uh, there's a disconnect in expectation, I would say, is generally the issue. It's like older men are traditionally looking. I mean, stereotypically, what you find is that the older men are typically looking for younger women. So, you know, when they say what they're looking for, a guy who's in his 50s will be looking for a woman who say between 30, 30 and 40 or maybe 45 at a push, right? So if you're a woman of 60 plus, you're just like, you're just not on their radar. It's very, it's very hard. Or if you are, it's then a man who's again, much older. So it's, you know, so it's a guy who's like 80, who's looking for a woman who's like 60, um, for instance. It doesn't seem to be very democratic when you're, when you're looking at the, at the, at the genders and what they, and what they're looking for. And, so that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And, you know, typically, I guess women are looking for someone who's kind. They're looking for, you know, they're looking for qualities. They're not necessarily, not that they're not preoccupied with the way somebody looks, but their qualities are really important to them where 
it always seems like men are much more visually orientated. You know, they're looking at your body and they're looking at your face and they're looking at this and that. And, you know, they're deciding, you know, do you stack up? So, yeah, I don't know what we can do about that. But that's that's not one on the slate to to solve right now then. But we'll... I tried to set up a site. I was going to set up a site called Not Dead Yet Dating. Um, <laughs> but And I actually got the logo and the whole thing was being done. And then... This was a few years ago. And then the company that was going to white label it for us, who had a big database of people so we could already sort of tap into an existing group and then add our own, unfortunately, were then the subject of a massive GDPR investigation, which meant that we couldn't work with them. So you've had a lot of ideas. So I have to ask, you say it's from conversations with girlfriends, but then where do your best ideas come from? How, when do they come to you? How do they come to you? Have you ever stopped to think how you've arrived at those ideas? Yeah, they always come in the same way, the same way we teach people at startup school, which is you see a problem that's not being solved and you think, how can I fix this? And then you look and think, is the problem big enough that if I fix it, other people will want to pay for it? So... It's kind of always the same. I mean, probably back when I was first starting, I wasn't able to so clearly articulate that. But ultimately, that's what I've pretty much always done. I've always found there was something that wasn't being solved for me by someone. So I had to do it myself and then found that a lot of other people had the same problem. So they gave me money. Tell us about the hot tub. I've got this hot tub in my back garden in Kilburn of all places and it's a bit of a notorious hot tub because it's where all the best conversations take place and I suspect that my neighbours are delighted every time I have people in the hot tub because we talk about all sorts of things and actually advantages of age sprung out of a conversation in the hot tub which my kids hate me saying because it makes me sound really quite, you know, privileged. But yeah, I have these I have these crazy hot tub conversations and it's become a thing. And and actually Rose and I were reflecting the other day, just before I left, we had another hot tub gathering with like we call them the original hot tub girls. So the people who are in the hot tub when it when the name Advantages of Age first started, we get them together and we call ourselves the original hot tub ladies or women. And we got together just before I left for Las Palmas and we were reflecting on the fact that it was over five years ago that the whole thing had started and everybody was like, Rose was like, it was like six, it would have been, it was 2015 or something when, when we first had this conversation and now we're going into 2022. So it was, yeah, it was, it was literally six years ago now, six years ago that we had that conversation. So it just goes to show like how long these things take to, you know, to, to blossom and come to fruition and all of that. But yeah, it was, that was the first hot tub conversation and we continue to have them. And we used to have, in fact, if you go on the advantages of age page, I think it is, we have the original hot tub salons that we used to have, which is when we filmed our hot tub conversations and we live stream them on Facebook. And some of them are pretty outrageous. <laughs> so when we ask the question, where do your best ideas come from? You the can hot tub. the hot tub. 
the hot tub. Always the best ideas come from the hot tub. Now, I can't let this conversation pass without mentioning the last time I saw you. It was in a basement in a bar in Camden Town and you were singing. Yeah, I was. And I'm, and I'm going to sing tonight in um, Los Palmas with a group of musicians very shortly, actually. It was absolutely amazing. You call it Bawdy Blues. Bawdy Blues. Yeah, I'd been a singer in my 20s and sung jazz and had a little group with some friends called the Dirty Blondes, which did three-part acapella songs like by the Andrew Sisters and Rodgers and Hammerstein and people like that. And then I gave up during my 30s to raise kids and my 40s and, you know, building businesses. And then... In my 50s, I I noticed that my voice, you know, partly through through aging and partly through not using it, had dropped like two octaves and I just didn't know what to do with it. It was just I I would I would make a noise and think, God, what is that? And I really felt sad about that. I felt grief, like I really, you know, something really had died. And then I went to see a band that a friend of mine loved called Never the Bride. And the lead singer, Nikki Lamborn, was absolutely amazing and clearly not a spring chicken. And she, I went up to her afterwards and was just, you know, really effusive about her performance and said, God, you know, I'd love to re-engage with my singing. And she said, well, come and see me because I'm a singing teacher. And it took me a while to do that because she happened to be a very expensive and very well-known singing teacher who worked with you know, very famous people. And, and I didn't really have the money for that. But my friend and my kids chipped in and bought me some lessons. And then through working with Nikki, I, I refound, I rediscovered my voice and she asked me to bring in some songs. And honestly, I can't even think what, why I chose these songs, but I had a record called Copulate and Blues that I'd bought in my twenties, which were these old, dirty blues songs, um, body blues, as I call them. And I got some guy off the internet to do me some backing tracks, which I brought into my lesson and started singing them for Nikki, who was like, where did these songs come from? These songs are nuts, but, but clearly really suit you and your voice. And so she invited me to come and perform with her at a few gigs in between her sets. And it was as a result of that that I got offered gigs at the venues in which she performed. And the green note where you saw me was one of those venues who that was my very first gig with Nikki. And three and a half months later, I was doing my own gig there, having found, you know, a keyboard player and, and found many more dirty blues songs and worked with this guy, George on doing or getting arrangements together for all of them. I mean, it was a huge amount of work for us, which I didn't really like in my typical way, didn't really think about. Just out of interest, what are you performing tonight? Oh, so when I got here on the night I got here, I went to this tapas night that I saw uh, like a digital nomads kind of group had advertised on a Slack channel that I belong to because, you know, it's all about community. <laughs> and, and they said, oh, we're going to go to this tapas thing. So I went to that and I met this German guy and with some older kids, kids like sort of my age. And he mentioned that he was living on a, on a farm that he was helping cultivate, but they had a cave where a bunch of musicians came and performed and he played jazz piano. 
So I was like, awesome, because I sing jazz. So a few days ago, we went and jammed together for an hour or so. And then he said, oh, there's a, we're all getting together tonight with a bunch of other musicians and we're going to put on a show at eight o'clock for just for some local people. So if you want to come, you can sing a song. So I said, cool. So I'm going to do that. And just to double check, you arrived a week ago and you'd not been there before. Is that right? I arrived on Thursday. <laughs> so it's Tuesday. That's less than a week ago. Okay. And you're that plugged in already. <laughs> yeah, it's unsorted. May we all take inspiration from you, Suzanne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining today. Just before we wrap up, what's the best way to learn more about Startup School for Seniors? I'm sure you have a URL. So we're on startupschoolforseniors.com and that's the best way to find out about us and register. Yeah, I mean, everything really happens from there. Because we are funded by local government now, everybody has to be pre-qualified to enroll. And that's how we're able to offer them a free place. So they go on the website and they want to register, then they'll go through the application process. It's not terribly onerous, but it is necessary for us to be able to give somebody a funded place. Excellent. And advantages of age, that can still be found on Facebook? Yeah, so that's, we've got a Facebook group called Advantages of Age Biz, Baby Boomers and Beyond, not to be confused with the Advantages of Age page, which is different. And we've also got a website, which is currently being redeveloped, and it's going to go live possibly even before Christmas, who knows, maybe. But yeah, possibly. We've got the website's advantagesofage.com, and we've got the Facebook group, and yeah. And then my home sharing platform is called nestful n-e-s-t-f-u-l dot i-o and i'm going to push for one more if anyone wanted more on body blues i'm on instagram i think it's body blues sues on instagram and i'm dirty blues sues on facebook absolutely amazing thank you so much thank you jeremy thank you for listening to extreme perspectives brought to you by sense worldwide We'd love you to join the conversation using the hashtag Extreme Perspectives. If you enjoyed it, do leave us a review. The Sense Network collaborates with many of the world's most innovative companies to help them to be more innovative. Join us at thesensenetwork.com or get in touch via email. Hello at senseworldwide.com.